Look, I was going to go easy on you, not to hurt your feelings, but I'm only going to get this one chance. Something's wrong, I can feel it. It's just a feeling I've got, like something's about to happen, but I don't know what. If that means what I think it means, we're in trouble. Big trouble. And if he is bananas, as you say, I'm not taking any chances. You're just what the dark order. I'm beginning to feel like a rap god. Rap god. All my people from the front to the back. Not Sucker Radio back for another week of awesomeness. Um, Ian Bain, co-host as usual, uh, will not be joining me this week. He's super busy with school and uh, work with the little kitties. Um, So joining me tonight for uh, Sucker Radio riding shotgun with me is MMASucker.com's newest writing talent, Mr. Adam Martin. Adam, thanks for joining me tonight, man. Jeremy, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, Thank you for having me on tonight. Now, just give people a background of, of how you got into uh, writing about mixed martial arts. Um, well, it all started uh, a couple of years ago. I uh, started uh, taking interest in actually uh, writing um, about the sport and um, getting updates out there, you know, um, just doing my thing, uh, being a big fan myself. So I just took the interest and started uh, actually making it happen um, to the point where I've been for a couple or with a couple sites now. Um, and now eventually uh, with MMA Sucker, which is uh, always a warm welcome. Thank you very much for that as well. Very interested to see uh, what you have going on um, in future weeks with your writing skills and, and whatnot. But let's get to some news here. This past weekend we saw Bellator 106 go down, which was supposed to be the pay-per-view. Ended up being a Spike TV card, which was a blessing in disguise because many more people probably watched it. Um, than they would have if it were a pay-per-view. We saw Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler go to a split decision in what could have easily been another fight of the year candidate. Now that uh, that fight specifically was um, it was huge. Uh, the rematch coming into it, Jeremy, was um, highly anticipated, and I, I have to agree with you. First of all, um, that the event being changed from a pay-per-view to this spike card was definitely a blessing in disguise um, with, you know, the falling out of uh, Tito from the fight with Rampage. But um, but that main event now given to Chandler and Alvarez for the second time around was something that uh, Bellator should be really grateful for. Uh, the fight was spectacular and is uh, something that people will be talking about for quite some time and already anticipating the uh, trilogy fight. Definitely. Now, leading up to that fight, the card was was average at best i mean we saw some big names fight a few upsets we saw daniel strauss upset pat curran in absolutely dominating fashion he he sort of put it to curran when many people thought curran was going to put it to daniel strauss well there might have been a lot of disbelievers after the uh, decision came to um to a final there where he uh, did actually capture the featherweight championship from pat curran jeremy um, I, I can tell you this, Daniel Strauss uh, knew he was going to win that fight. He went into the fight. His camp knew that he was confident. The camp believed in him. You know, a lot of people might have uh, given Coran the, uh, the edge going in, but certainly the outcome showed different with Strauss while walking away with the featherweight championship. Uh, an excellent fight. The co-main event, we saw Emmanuel Newton prove that he really did have uh, King Mo Lawal's number. Um, he dominated Mo. Mo looked like he was almost gassed midway through that fight. Um, it was his first time, I guess, going five rounds. He uh, didn't look like he was uh, very weathered for a five-round fight. No, it certainly uh, didn't. Um, you know, the first time around, again, Mo was complaining that, uh, you know, a lucky punch was thrown by Newton that um, caught him. I believe it was the uh, spinning back fist that took Law down um, in the first time they met. Uh, another rematch that was highly anticipated. A lot of controversy surrounding it as well. But, um, again, the outcome was something that a lot of people will be talking about and uh, something uh, King Mo will definitely have in the back of his mind for a a long, long time. Um, Not coming away with the interim Bellator Light Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, definitely. Now, this is a fight week we have going on. Not just one, but two UFC events this week. Wednesday night, we have UFC Fight for the Troops 3, which we'll go over later in the show. Um, And Saturday, from Brazil... We have UFC Fight Night 32, Vitor Belfort versus Dan Henderson. Is this a an exciting week for you or what? 
Oh, I'm excited. Uh, you, you know, it's very um, rare that we used to get two uh, two events in one week. So um, for us uh, MMA fans out there, it's something to really enjoy and something that we should definitely appreciate, you know, with um, Fox taking over for programming for the UFC to allow these events. And, it, uh, you know, it's just definitely something that I, um, I'm very grateful for, you know, and this event, especially with two legends such as uh, Vitor Belfort and Dan Henderson coming up, um, it's a fight that a lot of people want to see, and I think these two guys, despite, you know, the age, um, have a lot to prove in this fight, and, uh, you know, Vitor wants another title shot, Dan Henderson wants another title shot, so I think it's not going to be anything but a spectacular performance by both men. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited for that fight as well. There's not a ton of other fights on the card that I'm I'm really looking forward to, but there is one fight midway through. It's a six-fight main card. Paulo Tiago versus Brandon Thatch has nothing but fireworks set up for this fight. Now, it's funny you say that, Jeremy, because that's exactly the same fight that I had in my mind as well for being one that might surprise a lot of people. You know, Brandon Thatch, 10-1 record. Um, he has a really good knockout to TKO ratio, you know. He um, has submission skills, and uh, we all know Paulo Tiago from his, um, you know, Im impressive knockout that he had way back when he fought Josh Koscheck. Um, he's starting to gain momentum again coming into this fight, and he's fighting in Brazil. Um, he should be able to put on fireworks for his crowd, his fans, and uh, the family that might be in attendance for him on that Saturday night. For sure. Now let's talk about the main event a little bit. You spoke about two legends, Vitor Belfort, Dan Henderson. Who are you picking in this fight? I'm going to have to go with Dan Henderson. Um, a part of that has to do with uh, me being um, a big fan of Dan Henderson uh, for a long time now, you know, his pride days. And um, anything after that, coming into the UFC, uh, debuting at UFC 100, just a rememberable moment for me. And his fighting style is just out there. It's a, lo a lot of aggression. And, you know, with his declarated uh, background in wrestling, he often goes for the knockout punch, which is also really, really exciting as a fan to watch. Both these guys really do. We've seen them fight before. Pride 32, Dan Henderson ended up beating Vitor Belfort via unanimous decision. I don't see this fight going all five rounds. I think someone's hitting the mat. Someone's getting knocked out. And for me, it's a flip of the coin. But I, I, if I had to flip the coin, I'm going to go the opposite of you and take Vitor Belfort. And I can see why you, you pick Vitor as well. You know, uh, he has... Uh... I believe he's the faster fighter. I think he has better footwork when it comes to striking. I think uh, Dan Henderson is not going to look for that clinch as he's shown in the past that he's now leading towards, you know, that one-punch knockout, as some may call a one-trick pony move. <laughs> Vitor Belfort, you know, has been criticized in the past as well, though, for, you know, TRT usage, but not in this case because I, as far as I know, both fighters might be coming into this fight with, with that in their hand. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Now, before we get into the show, before we get into our guests, some big news came out today about the UFC's return to London. It's not really what many expected Alexander Gustafsson to get. Many knew that he was going to be fighting on a card in London, in the UK, but they didn't expect him to be taking on Jimmy Manoa. It's a, it's a big surprise. I had a couple other names in mind. I'm not going to go out and uh, say who I thought maybe could have been in the, the placement of uh, Little Nog. Um, to be honest, I think originally the Little Nog fight was a little uh, cutting uh, Gustafson short on his track to get to that title shot again. Whether they were going to give it to him or not, um, going into the fight winning or losing, or winning. But, um, you know, Jimmy Manuel is uh, someone that has now um, gone undefeated with... Uh, 13 knockouts, you know, one submission, so he is an all-around fighter, uh, even though he prefers the knockout, and a lot of early knockouts coming into his career and in, into this fight with uh, Gustafson. I believe the uh, stand-up war is a little more on an equal level plane as well compared to uh, the original matchup with Little Nog. I think it's an interesting matchup. I, I just I don't see Gustafson, Gustafson beating Manoa isn't something that necessarily sets him up for a title shot. But Manoa beating Gustafsson definitely projects him into that top 10 picture. Oh, most definitely. It's like you said, it's a flip of the coin. Um, heads, you have Gustafsson possibly getting another title shot, um, even though it's not Little Nog with a win over Manoa. But Manoa, you know, being tails can surprise a lot of people here and show, you know, and in, in this state of his career, he needs to show people that he belongs in the top five, 
you know, part of that ladder of the light heavyweight division in the UFC, and especially if he wants a, a title shot. He's got the chance to do it against Gustafson now in London. Uh, you know, he's fought there a lot. <laughs> I believe every fight that he's had in his career has taken place in London. So um, maybe it even gives him a little slight advantage, even though Gustafson coming just over from Sweden. For sure. Now, we got an absolutely stacked show for you guys today. Um, first up, I had the opportunity to chat with Huron Gracie um, just a few days ago. This guy, if you don't know who he is, he's one half of the Gracie brothers who do the, the Gracie breakdown. Those videos after UFC fights where, where they go through submissions and whatnot. And they also have something going on. Huron and Henry Gracie have something called GracieUniversity.com. And if you don't know what that is, it's they teach you jujitsu online. And they have something like 89,000 members or something like that that are learning jujitsu strictly online. Have you ever heard of anything like this, Adam? I certainly have not. It's amazing what the Gracie family can do and what they do for um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The fact that they have that many academies and that many family members, you know, have to carry on the tradition of the Gracie jiu-jitsu. It's, uh, it's unbelievable, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely. And next, middle pack of the show, we're going to be chatting with a local guy from here in Vancouver that, that I know quite well. His name is Jimmy Brockett. He's, he's putting on a, a jiu-jitsu tournament in next year in 2014 that's going to be called Cancer Taps Out. We've, we've heard of something go on in the States where they've been doing a jiu-jitsu tournament um, to try and raise funds um, to find a cure for cancer or to fundraise for cancer. Well, Jimmy's taking it into his own hands to do one of these up here in British Columbia, and, and good on him. So we're going to chat with him a little bit about that. And to finish off the show, um, we're going to chat with... One of the fighters who's fighting on tomorrow night's fight card, Wednesday's fight card, UFC Fight for the Troops 3, Liz Carmouche. She's definitely got a challenge in her hands against Canadian Alexis Davis. So with that, we'll get right into our first guest. Tell me where to go, tell me what to do. I'll be right there for you. Tell me what to say, no matter if it's true. I'll say it all for you. I used to be the type of kid that would always think the sky is falling. He is one half of the world famous Gracie Breakdowns and the eldest grandson of Helio Gracie. Please welcome to the show Mr. Huron Gracie. Huron, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you, Jeremy. Great to be here. For sure. Now, you're the eldest grandson, as I said, of Helio. Um, how old were you when you fell in love with the gentle art of jiu-jitsu? Well, I fell in love many times and I probably fell out of love many times. Um, but you know how it is when you're, I mean, a seven-year-old kid, you see kids training jiu-jitsu today and they're like in love with it. They can't believe how great it is. They want to jump on the mat every four seconds. So that for sure happened to me at a young age. But then there was always those days where I felt, um, I expected too much from myself, especially being in the family. And then I quickly like hated it. Didn't want to go to class because I knew I might get beat or might not perform how my thought my grandfather or my father might expect. So fear of that pulled me away, and then I came back and away and back and away. But once I hit like 13, it was you know nonstop since then. What's your first memory of it? Of jujitsu? Yeah. Wow. Um, you know what's wild is that there almost is no first memory. Because now that I have a, a daughter, especially, I, I'm already grabbing her and like putting her on my feet and like rolling her over my body and ending up mounted on her and moving her around. So it, it's it's almost like there was never no jujitsu. Yeah, I, so, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I can think of like memories with my grandfather. It's a different story. So like my first memory with him is of me of like maybe you know, nine years old or eight years old. And I'm sure even though when I was, when I was younger, I was with him at, at three years old, but at eight or nine, I remember him specifically like, you know, running me through some basic standing self-defense techniques. But as for jiu-jitsu, it's, it's way too embedded in me. Yeah, now myself as an MMA fan, we obviously fell in love with the Gracie name because of Hoist back in, in, in the early UFC days. Um, but what's it like to be a Gracie. The last name Gracie has to mean something to you. And, and what's it like in this day and age to have that last name? Uh, I think 
growing up, it was a little bit more like, wow, this is this is amazing, and I, I have to make sure that I, I fight in the cage, and I have to represent the family name, and whether it's fighting in the cage or teaching, or there's a lot of pressure growing up. But over the last couple of years, um, being a Gracie has has really um, mellowed out, and there's not so much pressure anymore. It's, I think it's I so embodied the lifestyle that there's no more pressure. It's just pretty much live life, and and people are gonna see what I do, and some are gonna appreciate it and some won't. But it's it's autopilot. There's no more thinking. So it's very stress-free, no more pressure, and it's just fun. And now it's about teaching those who want to be taught. Now, I don't want to harp on negative at all here, but the Gracie name used to be something that was feared in mixed martial arts, and, and rightfully so. But now the name has somewhat faded um, from what it once used to be. Do you agree with this? Well, it was feared because it wasn't understood, because nobody understood jiu-jitsu. And remember, the reason for the UFC and the Gracie family, the Gracie Challenge, and all these fights was just to educate people on the importance of jiu-jitsu. And today, every single MMA fighter out there is educated on the importance of jiu-jitsu and what the Gracie family did. So the name is not feared anymore because everybody understands jiu-jitsu. And, and for today... Um, the name is not feared, but jujitsu is feared. So it's almost the same as the name, meaning there's a handful of guys out there, no, more than a handful. When guys win by a guillotine or an arm lock, many might say submission wrestling, but their, you know, their training and their pursuit to learn submission wrestling started because they saw Hoist fighting in UFC 1. Very, very well said. I, I like that. Now, yourself and your brother, Henner, um, crossed over to the sport of MMA and ha- have been working with some guys um, in their corners and whatnot. How did that transition take place? You're saying how did us working with MMA fighters yeah. started because, well, first of all, we, um, Henner and I, are, are teaching every day, you know, whether we're filming for Gracie University or we're filming for a breakdown or just teaching students. We're doing so much teaching, traveling, military, law enforcement, kids, bully-proof programs, that the crazy part is that our teaching is actually how we stay sharp. And, and with t- over time, we, you know, we have met so many people who fight professionally, whether it's MMA or you know, sportive competitions, and, and they, they ask to roll with us, and we train with them, and we're 31 and 29 years old, and people quickly come to realize, like, wow, like, these guys aren't fighting every day, like, professionally, but they're really good. And, and we're really good simply because we've been training forever and because we teach all day, morning and night. And when you teach, it really, you know, helps to keep your sword sharp. So little by little, we meet people who do MMA, and they say, wow, can you, you know, my other friend wants to roll with you. They want to roll with you. He want to roll with you. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody wants to roll because not only do we roll very well and, you know, teach people lessons in our sparring, and we tap them out and catch them and, and show them the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu, but then we can quickly explain to them what we did, how we did it, you know, and teach them how to do it and how to stop it. So we can very, we, we educate our MMA fighter friends pretty well. And I think that they appreciate that. So not only can we, you know, show them how it's done and prove it to them, but then we can teach them how to stop it and how to apply it themselves. So, because everyone's trying to get better. And, it, yeah. you know, the best, MMA, the best MMA fighters today are the ones that are okay with having training partners in certain disciplines that are better than them. Like whoever teaches you know, ex-MMA fighter boxing, hopefully his boxing coach or his boxing training partners are at a higher level of boxing than he is. Now, he, that fighter, might be a better overall MMA fighter for the sport, but in that specific discipline of boxing, he wants somebody that's at a higher level, so 
many people acknowledge that from us and they say, man, they've been training jiu-jitsu for 30 years, you know, they're, they're not trying to fight me. I have no problem getting tapped out by these guys and, and learning from them. Do you ever get the itch yourself to get in the cage? I get the itch all the time to get in the cage. Um, and I have actually been told many times not to. <laughs> uh, many friends of mine who fight MMA, they're like, yeah, there's no need. You, you guys, you know, everybody already wants to learn from you. So many MMA fighters today are fighting. And, of course, they're they're making, you know, decent paychecks but so much work and then every, finally people you know become fans of theirs and then they want to open a gym maybe and they want to do something outside of MMA because you don't want to fight forever it's a lot it takes a toll on your body so to be fighting forever is not the wisest idea so these fighters they um they need you know a plan after so they say man you guys were already set up everybody wants to learn from you from military to men women and children people all around the world to us and the main fighters. So you guys just keep doing what you're doing and you're only going to grow. There's only, you're only going up from here. Yeah. Now speaking of, of cornering and training, you were in London a couple weeks back and you cornered Mark Munoz while your brother was in the corner of Leota Machina. I believe this was a first in mixed martial arts where brothers were cornering against each other. Um, how was this experience? Uh, yeah, it was the first and I think it's, probably going to be the last unless we do it again uh, because if for, for Henner and I you know mixed martial arts is very serious but we've I was at UFC 1 you know and I've been around the UFC before the UFC so it was very serious for us and we you know did our best to help each fighter but we also understand that you know the same way the fighters understand they understand that there is only one belt per weight class, so it has to go down, and we're all in the same weight class. So it's just a very quick acceptance of what has to be done. And although we'd rather than not fight, it has to be done, so great, let's do it. Um, we just wish there could have been a little more ground fighting. Mark got kicked and got knocked out, um, which was a great kick by Machida. But it would have been nice if they would have had a little bit of grapple because then they would have almost felt like Henner and I are, you know, playing a video game, <laughs> you know, him versus I kind of thing. But maybe next time. But, yeah, I think in general uh, this whole idea of, you know, we are in this corner and you are that corner and we're against you, it's not that it's unnecessary, but it goes a little too far sometimes where there's just so much negativity towards the other fighter and whether it's the fans of one fighter or the coach of one fighter versus the other, um, this it has to be seen as a sport and there has to be a certain level of, you know, Hey man, I'm, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're willing to fight me and we can have this fight tonight because, you know, it's a great opportunity for both of us to make our names grow and put more money in our pockets and so on. But it, you know, the negativity of, you know, one versus the other is not my favorite thing. So I told Machida and Mark, I said, if I go, it's going to be super um, keep it playful. I'm everybody's best friend the whole week of, the next, that night, what's the dinner after, you know, everybody's hanging out. So there's no, if I'm around, it better be cool and peaceful and friendly. <laughs> if not, I don't even want to be around. How'd you guys choose who was going to corner who? Um, I had been training with Mark for like um, maybe five years or six years. Uh, I was since he came from Northern California and Henner, not so much because of his schedule and, you know, wasn't able to drive down to see Mark as much. I had been in Mark's corner for Damian Maya and Chris Weidman. So, and then Machida started training maybe five months ago and with both of us, but mainly with Henner, probably, you know, 75, 80% with Henner because of his schedule. So it just kind of made sense that we went that route for sure. Now, I listened to both you and Henner on uh, the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani a few weeks back. Uh, it seemed like Henner took over when it came to the answers and stuff. Are you two extremely competitive with everything you do? Uh, no, no, we're not competitive. It's not competitive because competitive would be me battling his takeover. <laughs> you know, that would be competitive. But uh, he is very competitive. I mean, him, 
most brothers in general, and even I myself, like, you know, five years ago or six years ago, if we were going to race at the beach, I would run my heart out to, to win the race. And But uh, over time, over the last couple of years, even in my training of jiu-jitsu, you know, I would spar with somebody four or five years ago, and I would spar as hard as I could to win and prove a point. But it's been um, a good transformation where whether it's a race at the beach, sparring jiu-jitsu, or anything, or building something at home, it's, it's become more about the experience and not so much about the outcome of whether or not I can beat him or he can beat me. And it's a lot more, and it's this whole keep it playful talk where I always say keep it playful every, you know, 30 seconds. And it's the idea of, you know, enjoy it for what it is and you'll be able to enjoy it forever versus, you know, making it more serious than it is. Then all kinds of expectations and and stress are going to get involved and then before you know it, you're going to stop doing that, which you love doing so much. And that's huge in jiu-jitsu where we have students all the time. Every couple of years, people, you know, fall off after three or four or five years because it becomes too much stress. And, you know, people are coming from the ranks below them and are catching up and beating them because they expect themselves to perform better against the blue belt when they're a purple belt. But if you keep it playful, you just flow and let people tap you. If you can catch something, you get it. But you expect less from yourself and you just enjoy the art. So as the competitiveness goes with Dean Henner and I, it's never been so little because I understand that he's still in this phase of his life where he he wants to be the one and, you know, he's still a little competitive, so I'll let him win, 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 win. And before you know it, he'll figure out that winning doesn't matter and then he'll he'll ease up a little bit. But there's no hurry. <laughs> now, finally, before I let you go here, um, with many Gracies coming up in the ranks, there's obviously the younger generation coming up. Are there any younger family members that we should keep our eye on, both in the jiu-jitsu community and the MMA scene? Um, yeah, there are there are younger ones that are not so... You should keep your eye out for the next year or two, but there are for sure a lot of younger ones coming up, yes. But nobody that I think, like, wow, watch out for him. No. I think Crone wants to fight MMA. From what I hear, he's looking at the fighting. He just won Abu Dhabi. So that would be um, great to see him do that. He um, he has the, the experience and the training that it takes to get in there. So that would be fun. And you should watch out for Crone for sure. If you hear his name anywhere in competition, get ready for a show. But other than that, uh, you have to wait more than a couple of years to see if some of these Gracies are showing up. For sure. He is here on Gracie here on It's Been a Pleasure, man. Um, all the best. And, and just let us know about, you know, Gracie University and, and whatever else you guys have going on. Yes, thank you so much, brother. Gracie University is pretty much what we use to teach all of our schools around the world and students at their homes around the world. So it's an online website, and it's like, from, from, of course, I film it and I watch it here and there, but I teach and test students from cities around the whole world. And just learning through Gracie University, I am blown away when I meet somebody who's only trained online. And nobody believes this, and you probably don't even understand this yet, but um, I've tested people who only learned through Gracie University, and they've performed so well that it, it almost makes me say, I can pretty much confidently say that jiu-jitsu can be learned as effectively in the home as it can be learned online. As long as you have a couple of training partners, at least one, two would be great, that want to help you and train and be scientists and work with you, you can learn just as well online as you can in an academy these days. Wow. Yeah. It's unbelievable, and that's like that's our main project right now. Besides running our two schools that we have um, here in Torrance and Beverly Hills, along with the certified training centers around the world, Grace University is like it's it right now. It's the show. Well, there you have it. Everyone needs to check out Grace University. I'm gonna actually hop on it right now. Um, mm-hmm. All the best, Tyron, and uh, take it easy, man. Have a good one. We'll hopefully chat with you soon. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Peace. Yeah, you too.
as I said here on Gracie, man, this guy, he's so passionate about jujitsu. As he said, it's interesting though because he grew up in the Gracie family as a Gracie. He did have times growing up between the ages of, of say, 3 and 12 where he didn't want to do jujitsu so much. Exactly, and which is an interesting concept to think of a Gracie not wanting to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as much. You know, being the eldest grandson of Grandmaster Hilo Gracie, uh, who obviously uh, was the creator of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Um, you know, the family is uh, is one of a kind to to do what they've done. Like I said before, you know, for him not to actually want to do that, and the fact that he actually does what he does is amazing. It and, is, uh, and this this online Jiu-Jitsu school, I had a look at it. Um, last night, actually, and, and I signed myself up just because they give you a free trial and whatnot. I'm, I'm going to try and do it here at my house and, and, and see if I can get a couple guys to come in and train with me here at home. And I mean, they do a whole belt progression where you videotape yourself doing the belt testing with the person that you're training with. And if you pass the belt test, then, then you get upgraded right there online. That's another interesting factor that they have in them with their uh, their site and their uh, their lessons that they have online. Something again that you don't really hear too often about. Uh, you know, for people that uh, you know don't really necessarily have the time to travel out to go to a gym um, for some whatever reason that they have, they you know find the time to do it at home if it's easier, and then uh, submit submit your video, see if you pass the test uh, on the eyes or through the eyes of a Gracie, and uh, like you said, you get rewarded if you do. It's really Pretty, cool concept. That is a cool concept. And what's a cool concept is our next guest, as I mentioned in the intro, Jimmy Brockett. He's, he's putting on a fundraiser called Cancer Taps Out. We're going to be chatting with him right after this. I own a mansion, but live in a house. A king size bed, but I sleep on the couch. Joining me now is the man with the plan, and he is bringing one of the coolest grappling tournaments to British Columbia. Please welcome the man behind Cancer Taps out to the show, Mr. Jimmy Brockett. Thanks for joining me tonight, bro. Hey, no problem. My pleasure. Now, I've mentioned on a few different occasions throughout the show tonight what you have going on with Cancer Taps out, but how about you go ahead and just tell everyone exactly what it is? Well, Cancer Taps out is a one-day, no be uh, jiu-jitsu submission tournament where all the funds raised from the event are going to go directly to cancer research right here in BC. Now, I know you, you were planning an event last year that was also going to be called Cancer Taps Out, but that didn't work. Um, what didn't work with that and what made you want to give it another shot this year? Well, you know what? A lot of these events, for especially fundraisers, they cost a lot of money to put on and, and uh, usually we ask people to raise funds and then we take the cost of that uh, putting those events on out of that money raised. Well, I didn't want to do that. So last year I set out to raise a sponsorship to pay for the cost of the event so we could eventually say that 100% of the funds raised goes directly to research and not, not for the, putting the cost of the event on. I uh, didn't quite make it last year, so I'm very passionate about this event uh, is, you know, and obviously the sport. So I thought I'd give it another go. So that's uh, that's what I'm doing this time. I'm, I'm trying to rally the troops uh, and get the money together to pay for the event uh, so we can make it happen again. Now, cancer is such a big thing within the community, worldwide, everywhere. You hear someone's been affected by cancer. What makes you want to put this on? Well, you know what? I've, I've got a, everybody's got a story. And mine's, uh, it's not unique. In 2009, my five-year-old son died of brain cancer, and that sent me off on a on a different mission. And it was to raise as much money as I possibly can for cancer research, so we can keep the doctors in the labs doing what they do best. So eventually, one day we can live in a world free from cancer. So that's what I've been doing since 2009 and raising money uh, for cancer research. This is just another idea of mine, um, and it's something that's more aligned with what I'm doing right now. I'm passionate about jiu-jitsu and martial arts, uh, and I just think it's not been done before, uh, especially in Canada. There's not a single event in Canada where the funds go to cancer research like this. Uh, so I thought I'd be the first to do it, and, and that's why I'm doing it. Now, you have a campaign going on. Just let people know how they can get involved and how they can help out with that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I've tried this time to do a, a crowdfunding uh, campaign. And if you just type in uh, cancertapsite.com, it will take you to a website called Indiegogo. And it's a service they provide where you do a crowdfunding campaign. You can go in there, you can uh, donate, actually not donate, you can uh, give money, uh, which will go uh, directly to put the, the event on. But you, the good thing about it, it's not just for nothing. You can actually pick a different perk. So you can grab a T-shirt, a wristband, uh, we have some couple of items on there, so when you when you actually make uh, the payment, you get to choose something for your money. Uh, it's just a really good way, and and uh, it's a great way that it, everybody gets pulled together because it affects so many people. This disease, um, I just think it'd be a really good idea. If, you know, everybody came together to put the event on, so it's not just a, a one-man thing. It'd be a true uh, community thing. Now you said that it's a one-day um, grappling tournament to raise money for cancer. What what's the day gonna look like? Will there be? Um, just explain the tournament itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? It's gonna be fun. Um, so uh, a lot of these tournaments that you get, uh, you you get slotted in for a match, and you might lose in the first match, and then you're pretty much done for the the day. I've set this one up a little bit different. We're gonna it's gonna be a round robin style. So there's there's ten people in a in a division. Everybody competes against everybody. The two people with the the best scores of the day go through to the evening finale. Well, they'll compete for the the big trophy. Um, but it'll be starting around about 8.30 in the morning. Uh, we'll get the matches going. We'll have a, a lunchtime break. We'll carry on in the afternoon. Then we'll have a seminar in the evening. We'll, we'll get some big names to come down and do a jiu-jitsu seminar, uh, show their skills, hopefully get some big names. And then the evening is really uh, made for the spectators. So we'll have each individual weight category and class um, compete for the, the overall title of that weight, weight group. Uh, we'll have some music, we'll have some great prizing to give out, some freebies, uh, and it'll just be a real fun, fun atmosphere. Now, you mentioned the campaign. Um, people can donate and start raising funds for that. How long is that going to go on, and when exactly is this tournament planned to happen? Yeah, well, we've got 21 days left in the crowdfunding campaign right now, um, and obviously we, make it, we need to make a big push to make this happen. Uh, hopefully we can do that in 21 days. And the event, right now we're looking at the end of March, beginning of April. Um, we, we're going to do it right around the time of the Pan Ams, which is the biggest jiu-jitsu tournament. Uh, and we want to do it probably a week or two before that so people can kind of test their skills and see how they're fixed for the big event. You obviously said you wanted a big push for the campaign. Uh, 21 days left. Is there a backup plan? You know what? Uh, not right now. Uh, I'm I'm working every angle. I've reached out to a few people. I've got some great people supporting me. Sarah Kaufman from the island, uh, is a new UFC fighter, is uh, is fully supportive. I've got Mike Rio, who is on the Ultimate Fighter, supporting me. Uh, Renzo Gracie has retweeted. Mauro Ronaldo has retweeted. So all these guys are backing me uh, in the the ways that they can. Uh, so it's not over till it's over, and I believe I believe in this event, and I, I believe that within five years, this event could be the biggest in North America, bringing in easy half a million dollars for cancer research each year. Each year. That is awesome. Uh, awesome to chat with you, Jimmy. Um, awesome to hear about what you have going on and cancer taps out. Just let people know before we let you go how they can get a hold of you in the social media universe, and just one more push for the campaign that you have going on. Yeah. Actually, well, I really appreciate you giving me the time, and MMA Suck has always been a huge supporter of me. Uh, so if you just go to uh, cancertapsite.com, uh, click on one of the perks there, grab a T-shirt, grab a wristband, grab a bracelet, uh, and give as much as you can. Uh, that's cancertapsite.com. Every single dollar is really appreciated, and uh, I can't wait to come back on this show, giving you a, a post-event review of what, how it went down. Definitely, and we'll keep in touch throughout it all. Sucker Radio definitely supports you. MMA Sucker supports the cause, and we suggest that all of you guys support it as well. So thanks a lot, Jimmy. Thank you very much. I'm sure you've gone to many jiu-jitsu tournaments and heard of jiu-jitsu tournaments out there, Adam. But have you ever heard of something that's going to such a great cause? I I have never. Uh, you know, not to the certain uh, extent that this event is going to take place. And you know, for the for the fact that it's um you know for cancer on its behalf, and you know, and trying to uh, raise some awareness and uh, not only awareness but uh, money as well. 
Uh, I think it's a great idea putting the two together. You know, you get to show off local talent in this tournament, and uh, you you get to raise money for a great cause. It's an interesting concept. Uh, we've used that term earlier in the show, but again, I have to bring it up because it's something that stands out from other things that have been going on. You know, in order to raise money or awareness for a certain cause such as this. And pretty cool that local fighter Sarah Kaufman is actually going to be involved in this event as well. Uh, definitely someone to look up to. We know Kaufman from all our wars that she's been in through uh, the mixed martial arts scene and uh, will continue to be in now fighting for the UFC. So another interesting catch for people to come out there and you know get to meet a superstar such as herself. For sure, and another female fighter. We're going to be chatting with Liz Carmouche, who's taking on Alexis Davis right after this. With the monster, the sun of my bed. Get along with the voices inside of my head. You're trying to save me, stop holding your breath. And you think I'm crazy, yeah, you think I'm crazy. crazy. I wanted the fame, but not the cover of Newsweek. Oh, well, guess Vegas can't be. Joining me on the line right now is a former women's UFC title contender. Please welcome Liz Carmouche to the show. Liz, thanks for doing this. Now, you had a dominating performance in your last bout against Jessica Andrade and were ever so close to finishing Ronda Rousey in in that championship bout. How often does the Rousey fight go through your head and do you think that if you had that back position again against her, you would do things differently? Um, It goes through my head every day Um, and I definitely think that if I was back in that position, that I would definitely do things differently and um, finish that choke. What what exactly went on then? Do you think um, her defense was good, or you just were rushing things? I think it was just rushing things, and then of course when you're that fresh, um, you have a tendency to defend correctly, and things that would normally sink in don't quite sink in because you you still have all the, your air and your breath and your energy. Now, as I said, your your last bout against Jessica Andrade was. A dominating performance. You obviously went out there to put on a show for the fans and and get back into that that whole title mix. Um, just walk us through that last performance. Uh, yeah, I was hoping to to dominate from beginning to end and not give her a single opportunity to show her own strengths. And I did make a mistake in that, and I let her dominate for a little bit. But I made sure that I came back in the second round and implemented exactly what I needed to. Now, you're the co-main event at the Fight for the Troops 3 card this weekend. Um, how cool was it when you found out that you were going to be on this card? Oh, it was awesome. Um, I've been telling everybody that I know the impact that all the different shows, whether it be Fight for the Troops or a band comes out, when they put on those performances for the military, it raises morale and it makes such a huge difference in their everyday life and for the rest of the time that they're there. And now to be a part of that, is um, a great experience. It's such a big card, but are you surprised at all by the lack of promotion that this card has been receiving? Uh, yeah, I'm a, a little surprised, but I know that um, they have a lot of other shows going on, and I know it's been a little bit difficult because it is on a military installation. They can't have outsiders come in for tickets. So I think most of um, any of the advertisements going on has been internally to the base. You said that that it's difficult because they have a lot of fight cards going on right now. Do you think that's a problem going forward with the UFC at this point? No, I don't. I think they they are very well organized and they're a huge organization. It's not really an issue at all. I think this just being on the base is really just a huge conflict. Now your opponent Alexis Davis is riding a three-fight winning streak coming into this fight. Um, you're coming off of a victory. Do you think winning streaks can weigh on an opponent's mind, or do you do you feel that fighters take it one fight at a time and, and not worry about the winning streak? I think it can weigh on people's minds. Sometimes it makes somebody a little overconfident, and they think that uh, they can just ease through all the rest of the fights, and it may give them a false sense of security, uh, but which is always an advantage for the other opponent. But in the same sense, it also does give them a sense of confidence that maybe wasn't there before that helps them out. For sure. Now, have you had a chance to keep up with Alexis's career? And if so, where do you see yourself having the advantage? I have. I try and keep up with everybody in the, the top ten of the division. And I, I've certainly almost seems like our paths have been merging to this point. We were both in Strike Force together, then we were in Victor together, and then now in the UFC. So I've been able to watch as she's grown 
throughout this entire path and seeing how she's evolved and mistakes that she's made and things she's done correctly. And I do plan on capitalizing on all of those because I have seen where her weaknesses are, and I'm looking forward to it on Wednesday night. For sure. Now, you're not one that tends to go to the judges' scorecards too often. In a perfect world, how would you finish Alexis Davis at Fight for the Troops 3? Anything but a decision. (laughs) (laughs) That's key, yeah. Um, With a victory over Davis, do you see yourself once again as the number one contender? Because there are so many top women out there at the moment. I certainly do hope that this puts me back in a spot to be contender for the belt. Yeah, um, if not contender, then is someone like, um, I don't know, who who else would be on your radar? Uh, anybody that's above Alexis, I think that's uh, Zingano, Kate, and Ronda, really right now. So it would be a matter of if Zingano is healthy facing her. For sure. Now, we look forward to Wednesday night. She is Liz Carmouche. Liz, thanks for doing this today. And, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and any sponsor shout-outs you'd like to give. Yeah, they can definitely check me out at sdcombatacademy.com or they can go to my official page on Facebook and just look up Liz Carmouche or Twitter, I am Girl Liz, all the best. Thank you so much. Liz Carmouche definitely has a tough test on her hands with Alexis Davis. Davis coming into this fight on a three-fight winning streak. Carmouche on a one-fight streak. you got to think either one of these two wins, and, and they're right up there to put themselves into a number one contender uh, battle to face uh, either Ronda Rousey or Misha Tate. Right now, Jeremy, I think the 135 division needs someone to stand up to challenge um, Ronda Rousey. You know, Misha Tate's a great test. We've seen them fight, though, before. If Ronda is able to walk away with the championship again, um, she'll probably break Misha's other arm, (laughs) and we'll be looking for someone to step up and take the challenge that um, so many people have tried to and uh, failed at. I believe between Carmouche and Alexis Davis, uh, I think there's two females here that can really bring it. I know uh, Liz Carmouche, you know, has challenged before and uh, come up short, but Alexis Davis is um, one tough Canadian chick. Uh, she's proved it in a lot of her fights and uh, earlier fights in her career, but um, I think she's going to bring it tomorrow night, and I think Liz Carmouche is going to be a little um, disappointed with the outcome of the fight. <laughs> Bold statement there. Now, are you surprised at all? I asked Liz Carmouche this in the interview, um, but the UFC isn't really promoting this this fight card as much as I thought they would. It's a great fight card. And, you know, a fight for the troops is something that they should be really proud of holding. You know, not too many organizations get to do something that involve the troops. You know, the men that fight for the U.S., uh, you know, the country, uh, uh, you know, they're out there doing and risking their lives and saving people's lives and doing what they do best. And, uh, you know, to get the honor of being able to do this, you think they would be promoting it a lot more. And, you know, getting their name out there and aligning themselves with the U.S. Army and the troops in more of a fashion that they have shown to do for this specific event. I know in the past they've done a great deal of making sure that people know that, that this is what they're doing and why they're doing it and who it's for. Uh, you know, being the troops and stuff, but um, specifically for this card, I think you're right. I think that they're not pushing it as much. I think they're overlooking it. Um, I'm not sure if it's because Belfort and Henderson is coming up on the Saturday, but uh, honestly, I think they are overlooking it. And unfortunately for the fighters that are on the card, um, they don't get the, as much exposure as they, I think they should. Especially with the fact that we have a few military veterans on the card, including main eventer Tim Kennedy, um, aforementioned Liz Carmouche. Uh, we've got Colton Smith, who is a tough winner, and Neil Magny as well. So you'd think that they would be pushing it as much as they could with so many military veterans on the card. Exactly, and I agree. And I have noticed on um, via social media, I've noticed these fighters specifically, you know, doing a really good job of promoting it and very proud to be on the card. I know Tim Kennedy wanted to be on this card. If it was the last thing he could ever do, <laughs> I believe he campaigned very, very heavy and uh, – you know, for him to be in the main event for something that he believes in so strong is uh, quite the honor for him. And, uh, you know, I think he's very proud of that, which I think the UFC should be um, just as proud. Let's talk about the main event. Tim Kennedy taking on Rafael Natal, or Rafael Natal, however you would like to say it. We are Canadians. We pronounce the R. Um, <laughs> I, I don't... I don't... I don't know. I don't see this fight as being extremely exciting. Natal is an exciting fighter. Kennedy, 
not extremely exciting. Uh, he definitely has a way of pulling off victories, and I believe he will do that in this fight. Same here. I have to go with Tim Kennedy in this fight only because, um, you know, Kennedy wants it. Uh, not saying that Nintel doesn't. Uh, and um, it's in front of his, it's in front of his, uh, you know, family away from family. <laughs> uh, something that, again, like I said, he believes in so strong. He doesn't want to come up short. He doesn't want to be pushed around or bullied by uh, Rafael Nintel. He wants to come out there. And I think he's going to be a little bit more aggressive. I think the adrenaline's going to help him do that. Um, become a, a little more active, you know. Roughly, I think he's they're they're pretty uh, close in um, strikes landed per minute when it comes to significant strikes. The accuracy is uh, pretty much the same. I think it's an even match on paper, but again, I do have to go with Kennedy, even though uh, Rafael Nintel does have a little bit more experience in the the record column. As you said, this is such a great fight card, but unfortunately, they're not promoting it. We got guys like Eve Edwards on the card absolute veteran of the sport we've got chris camozzi versus lorenz larkin dennis bermudis versus steven seiler a fight that i'm really looking forward to is george roop against francisco rivero but the one fight that i think is going to steal the show is the preliminary cards main event if you want to call it that on fox sports one james kraus versus bobby green that fight is going to be fun I have to agree with you, uh, Kraus, you know, being 24 in his M MMA career and uh, Bobby Green, 25. I believe Bobby Green came over from Strike Force when that transition happened uh, with the two companies and the merger. I think Bobby Green is going to come in there pretty strong as well and uh, one that I'm definitely looking forward to. Pretty equal guys on paper again. And, uh, you know, the only thing that might uh, come down to it is uh, the height and reach for Cross. I believe he has a slight advantage there and he might be able to avoid um, some big bombs. As we all know, Bobby Green likes to land them. That he does. Is there any other fighter on this card that, that you're uh, sort of salivating at? I'm looking at the George the George Roop fight as well uh, with Francisco Rivera. Um, I take a great interest in what George Roop does um, from his WEC days as well as his now UFC career. He switched, uh, you know, he's fought in several different divisions. Uh, before in the past, but I think finally again he's found himself at a uh, bantamweight. Uh, two big wins over Ruben, uh, Ruben Duran and Brian Bowles. Uh, I don't think a lot of people expected him to beat Brian Bowles at UFC 160, which he did in very dramatic fashion. I think he's on uh, the right training regimen. Uh, no discredit to Rivera, who's also a very talented fighter, and that's why I think this is going to be a great fight. I do too, and and this was a great show. I, I appreciate you joining me to do this, Adam. I'd like to thank our guests um, here on Gracie for uh, chatting about everything he has going on, his life in jiu-jitsu, gracieuniversity.com. Make sure you check that out if you have the chance. Jimmy Brockett, um, make sure you guys check out the, the campaign that he has going on and try to raise some funds for cancer with Cancer Taps Out. And obviously Liz Carmouche, who's taking on Alexis Davis at UFC Fight for the Troops 3 tomorrow night. Um, good luck to her. Um, and thank you so much, Adam, for, for taking time out of your evening to record the show with me this evening. Oh, not a problem, Jeremy. Anytime. It's always a great honor to come on something like this, and especially such as a great host as yourself. So I'd like to thank you and MMA Sucker Radio for having me on this week. Thanks a lot, man, and uh, thank you to the listeners. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. MMA Sucker is there. Sucker Radio is there. Make sure you listen to us, and we'll let you listen to us next week. We're out. What is the most inspiring thing I ever said to you? Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing.